Hey, thank you so much, Alicia and worship team, and uh, man, great to great to be a part of this worship with you guys this morning. Uh, if you are just joining us for the first time in this teaching series that we are in, uh, welcome to a maybe strangely titled series called For God So Loved the Terrorist. Uh, this is part six of seven. Uh, believe it or not, we are nearing the end. Next week, we're going to be coming to the conclusion of this. This is essentially a study on the Old Testament book of Jonah. And if you've been with us for any amount of weeks, you kind of know what has happened here so far. Uh, and if you don't, many of you, even if you're not from the church world, you know the story of Jonah. That, that Jonah, really simply, uh, was a prophet who was told to go one place to Nineveh, and he said, I don't think so, and he went the other to Tarshish. He gets on a boat, and the big storm comes and just about wrecks the boat. The sailors freak out and are afraid, and they decide what to do, and Jonah says, throw me overboard. He's thrown overboard. He's swallowed by a big fish. The boat is saved. The sailors worship. Jonah then gets thrown up, spit up onto dry land after he's had time to pray and write a beautiful poem in the belly of the fish. He gets spit up onto dry land, and God comes to him a second time in Jonah chapter 3 and says, hey, I'll give you one more chance. Please go to Nineveh. And he says, all right, I'm going to go. And he walks into this massive city, and he says five words to them, and the city, this capital of uh, the pagan world at the time, in one day, all of them repent, including the king last week. It's crazy. It's insane. We covered this. This is insane what is happening in the book of Jonah. An entire capital city of a pagan nation is turning from their gods in one day. It's crazy. Now, we pick up the story in the book of Jonah at this juncture where Jonah has reacted, is reacting to what he sees. And so I want to invite you right away this morning, if you have a Bible with you, to turn to the book of Jonah, the Old Testament book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 4 is where we are going to be this morning, opening up the last chapter, reading the first nine verses in a minute through the book of Jonah. If you don't own a Bible, by the way, the Bible around you is our gift to you. Be glad to have you take that with you. Keep that this morning. Uh, we believe in the authority and the power of the Bible. It would be a good idea to read that and get engaged with that. All right. So Jonah chapter 4, reading from verse 1. Um, and again, just if you're not used to my style here, I kind of go uh, verse by verse, sometimes two or three at a time. So just get ready for some stop and go traffic with that. And we'll, we'll get through the nine verses. Okay. So Jonah chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Uh, here's what we read in the New International Version. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. And right away, if we pause it there and ask the question, why in the world is Jonah angry? And if you know what happened, that here's what happened at the end chapter 3, when the people repented in Nineveh and they turned, they sat down in sackcloth and ashes and they fasted, that somehow God sends a message to them, I'm going to relent. Like, I'm, I'm not going to bring judgment. Now, we don't know how that happened. I don't know if God declared that through Jonah's mouth. And he said, okay, now that you've repented, I'm going to stop. I don't know if God just declared that from heaven. I don't know if a full 40 days has passed from Jonah's delivery until where God isn't delivered. I don't know what has happened. I just know that it is clear, crystal clear, that God has relented and is not going to send the judgment on, on the city of Nineveh. To which point then verse 1 of chapter 4 comes into play. But Jonah, the prophet of God, was greatly displeased and became angry. Now, we, we need to just kind of keep in mind what's happening here. We need to get into the moment of this. We're sitting here in a relatively um, safe environment and a relatively um, non-angry environment at the moment, okay? So but here's, here's what happened. Like, Jonah is really stomping mad. Like, he is so angry. 
I mean, we have got to get into this part of his soul to have this make any sense at all this morning. Like Jonah is so angry with what God has done. He is furious. It's crazy what is going on. And it's insane what, what happens. And so in his anger, right, in his anger, what does he do? He prays. Now, verse 2 is going to open up with a prayer to God. But this prayer, by the way, is not a, dear God, I want to come to you this morning. Thank you for your goodness and your favor in my life. I'm a little upset about what happened. But I think you're still good. This is anger, okay? Like in his fury, in his rage, these are strong Hebrew words used in the Old Testament to communicate this. He is, he is stomping mad, and in that anger, he prays. He doesn't pray a safe, like emotion-free prayer. He is yelling at God, and he calls it a prayer. And so he prays to the Lord. Verse 2, look at that. Oh Lord, and you've got to get into that emotion of this at Jonah. Is this not what I said when I was still at home? Like That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to the anger that I'm feeling right now, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, oh Lord, this is how angry he is. Now, oh Lord, Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I am so mad. Kill me. Kill me. Can't handle this. Here's how Eugene Peterson in the message writes it in verses 1 to 3. You can just listen to this if you want. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. This is where Jonah is at. This is a big deal. When is the last time you've been that angry? That angry, where you actually believed... It is better for me to die than to keep going forward. I mean, you've been angry, no doubt about it. If you're human, you've been really angry. Depending on how many children you have, that changes how much anger you have felt throughout the course of your life. Okay, But you've been angry, different stages and different times, and you've been furious sometimes too. Sometimes you keep that in and sometimes you let that out. But when is the last time you've legitimately been so angry that you would say it is better to die than to keep living. I'm so mad, so angry. Seriously, I would rather die than move on because this is where Jonah is. This is how angry he is at the compassion of God. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine what's happening conversely in the streets of Nineveh when they hear the news? Our Hail Mary has worked. God has relented. Can you imagine the joy in the streets? If they were that quick to turn to repentance, can you imagine their joy? Nineveh is saved, and Jonah stands out like a sore thumb. The only one in the story who is ticked off badly. So what does Jonah do? 
He does what anybody does when they're really angry to go for a walk. <laughs> it, verse 4, before he goes for the walk, verse 4, God engages him one more time. He says this, verse 4, But the Lord replied to Jonah's prayer, Have you any right to be angry? Have you any right to be angry? You notice a question from God, not like, why are you angry? But do you have a right to be angry? Do you have something to stand on that you want to present to me as a right? What, what is your basis for this anger? Is it right? You ever been in an argument that you know you're losing, but you're not ready to admit you're wrong yet? Don't nudge anybody next to you. Um, this is where Jonah finds himself. God asks him a question. And Jonah is not ready to answer him because he knows he's wrong. And so when you don't have an answer for an argument that you know you're losing, you don't want to say you're wrong, you walk away. And so Jonah did. He didn't answer, verse 5. Jonah went out, didn't answer the question of God in verse 4. He went out to pout, sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. What in the world is he doing? What, what, what is he waiting for? Like he's, he already knows, even emotionally, that God isn't going to bring judgment. What, what is he waiting for? You ever been so frustrated that you actually imagine scenarios happening for other people that satisfy your sense of justice and revenge? You ever argue with somebody internally on your way to work or on the way home? have an argument and find yourself talking to an imaginary person, I do, then I'm like, what is wrong with me? This thing is really working me over. I don't have any idea what's going on in Jonah's mind in verse 5. God has already said, I'm not going to bring the fireworks, Jonah. Like, I'm done. So Jonah goes to sit outside east of the city to see what would happen to the city. Jonah, nothing's going to happen, buddy. You know it. So what are you doing? You can't let it go yet. Well, God knows he can't let it go yet. And so in verse 6, God engages him again. Verse 6, Then the Lord provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. At dawn, the next day, God provided a worm. I love how he provided a worm. Provided, yay. All right. Which chewed the vine so that it withered. And when the sun rose... God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Isn't this where we just were? Isn't this where he was in verse 3? Now he's back. It's better for me to die than to live. And God's like, okay, now that you're back, that's where I want you to be because you left me in conversation hanging and you walked away. I've got to come back to you and talk again. The only way to do that, let me provide a vine for you provide comfort for you, let me take it away, get you angry again, so we can have a conversation. So he's ready to die, and here's what happened. Verse 9, God re-engages Jonah. Verse 9, God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? And then he adds three words in the NIV, about the vine. It's a repeat of verse 4, the question that God asked him that he didn't answer he asks the same question again in verse 9, but this time he says, since you can't answer my question, Jonah, 
globally. In other words, since your vision is too small and all you're thinking about is you and you don't have a right to be angry about the people out there, quote-unquote, since you can't even process at that level, let me draw it down in scope and let me give you a plant that miracle grows up overnight and dies the next day. Now let's just talk about your plant. Can we have that conversation? Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? Jonah responds, I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. And now we're back to where we were. I am so angry, so mad that I'm, I am, it's over. It is Jonah's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Nothing is going right. God won't even blow up Nineveh, and now my vine is gone. Nothing is going right. I'm so mad. God has a response that we're actually going to get to next week. But here's where I wanted to pause it for this week. Because there's two main players in chapter 4. One player is Jonah, and the other player is God. Today, we get a chance to look at Jonah's response. Next week, I want to look at God. Today, Jonah is angry, stomping mad. And I have to ask the question here, why? Why is Jonah so angry? He is so angry. Now, it's easy. You could say it's easy to see. Why? Well, number one, God didn't blow up Nineveh. That would make you angry. Okay, sure. But underneath that, why? Why does that then make Jonah angry? I mean, keep digging on this question a little bit further than the surface. Yes, he's angry because God didn't destroy the Nineveh. Yes, he's angry because God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding love. He knew he would be compassionate, and that's why he ran to Tarshish. Yes, but why? Why? Keep asking that why. Drive the question further into the text, and you drive the question further into the heart of God, and you drive it further into the heart of us. And here's what I think is going on. That Jonah, he is angry. Because his vision is small. This is why I think he's angry. Because his vision is so small that he doesn't have the capacity to think outside of his vision of life at all. Jonah is more concerned about his own world than God's world. He's more concerned about his comforts than God's creation. God God is interested in the world of people whom he has created, even who offend him and who offend Jonah. But Jonah's world is so small that when a violation of justice in his world comes to him, he is so, so angry. And here's the thing that we know about anger. Anger reveals vision. You ever think about that? Anger reveals vision. The things that make you and me the most angry are an incredible window into our vision and into your soul and into mine. We we know this is true, right? Like, if I go back into the toddler room, they might at this point be arguing about the snacks on the, uh, the table. Maybe one kid grabbed someone else's goldfish or animal crackers or took their toy or whatever, and anger is aroused immediately in the eyes of a two-year-old. And we would look at that as adults and be like, ah, anger reveals vision. Their vision of the world is so small. All they see is that animal cracker. That's mine. We would hope before too long they grow out of that anger over the animal cracker. Sometimes people get full-grown adults and are still mad about animal crackers, but that's a story for another time. 
But anger reveals vision. The things that really make us angry are the things that help us see what our vision for life really is. See, Jonah's vision for life was simple. Like, God, I want you to be my God. I want you to be gracious and compassionate to me. I'm fine that you saved me from the the raging sea. I'm fine that you did that. I'm fine that you were gracious and compassionate and slow to anger with me. Like I'm also fine that you gave me a plant. But as soon as you take the things from me and my world, I start to get really mad. Because my vision doesn't include your grace extending to everybody else in the same way that it is extended to me. And so the reason that Jonah is angry is his vision of God's mercy and grace is way too small. Very personal God to Jonah. Just be my Savior. Just be my God. Just bring your grace to me. Don't bring it to the people who are our enemies. So I have to ask the question, as I reflect personally on this, on this issue of Jonah's anger, here's the question for me. When is the last time I have gotten angry at something that has really been worth it? Really been worth it? When is the last time that I've gotten angry at something that's really worth it? Like the people who live in our community and around the world broadly, but people that you know or I know in our community who, if they were to die today without faith in Jesus Christ, would we believe go to hell, separated from God eternally? When is the last time that I've gotten angry at either A, the injustice of God, if I want to push back on that, to say, God, why won't they turn? Why won't they repent? Or B, the effectiveness of the mission of us as Christians or the church locally or globally. Like, why can't we reach people who are outside of faith in Jesus Christ? When is the last time I have gotten angry at something that really matters? When is the last time I've gotten angry, not only about the message of the gospel going out, but at the injustices even in our own neighborhood, about the children at paradise that I mentioned earlier who are now nervous and afraid of their future. Like, what does that stir up within me? Does that stir up a, a righteous or a godly anger to say that there's something there that we need to, as the church, do something about? Like, or is my anger primarily an anger that is aroused when something goes wrong for me? When traffic is tighter than it should be, when the finances don't quite work, when my spouse doesn't respond the way that they should, when my kids rise up against me, when I let myself down, when the church doesn't do the things that the church does, when is the last time that I've gotten angry at something that really matters? So here's the question I want to kind of leave us with here. What does my anger reveal about my vision? I could push on us a little bit. What does my anger reveal about my vision? If you could go back in time last week, two weeks, last month, and chronicle the times when you have been angry, let me ask the question, at what? At what? And does anything in that category fit? That was really worth it. That is the heart of God. Or are we so much like Jonah that it's painful to admit? That in truth, I would be more angry if I learned that my house burned down while I'm here speaking to you than if lives burned away in hell for eternity.
What makes me more angry? Because my anger reveals my vision for the heart of God. And what I don't want us to be are people with a small vision. A small vision of the church. A small vision of my own life. A small vision of how God would want to use us in this community and around this world. God's compassion and mercy, we know this is true, is not only for Jonah, but for the Ninevites. God's compassion and mercy is not only for me, but even for my enemies. We know it. We know it. But when is the last time that I've been angry at something that really matters? And if I answer that question, boy, I actually don't know. Maybe it's time to say, God, ah, help me here. Help me here not to be like this prophet Jonah who's angry about his plant but doesn't give a rip about the 120 plus thousand people who would die if God doesn't send his mercy and grace and compassion on them. What makes you angry? What stirs your passions? Our Savior, Jesus Christ, he got angry. It's not ungodly to get angry. Remember his primary demonstration of anger was he's clearing out the temple from money changers who have turned the temple into a den of thieves rather than a place of worship and a place of prayer. Jesus gets mad. It's angry. Righteously so. So, let me ask you. If anger reveals vision, is your anger worth it? Has it been worth it? And when's the last time that you've been angry about something that really, really matters? And here's Jonah standing here, the guy who stands out like a sore thumb, saying, I'm angry, everybody else is rejoicing in God's mercy, but I'm angry at my plant. The book of Jonah, I said from the beginning, is a story of when God's compassion outpaces ours, but also when God's uh, compassion intersects with our comfort. And what we do when we have to consider our comfort over God's compassion. And here's Jonah saying, please don't be like me. Please don't be like me. Please don't get so stomping mad about the things that make you comfortable and care less about the lives around you. Allow your life to be the conduit of God's mercy and grace, even for your greatest enemies. Now, Jonah responds with anger. God responds with compassion. We're going to explore that next week and some more tangible and practical examples of how we can be a church of increasing compassion and mercy. Will you pray with me this morning? Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in the story of Jonah again and to see the anger of the prophet. And I pray for us that we would have the courage to see in our own lives the things that really make us angry, the things that cross us, the things that reveal our vision of the world, some of it rightly so. Daily frustrations, weekly frustrations, things in the seasons of life that come and go, but the things that really make us angry, Father, if those things, or the things that are close to your heart, what a difference, what a difference the church can make.
by being men and women, young men and young women, passionate about following your heart, about putting our comforts aside, trusting you with that, and being a people who show your compassion even to our enemies. Such a tough, tough task. I pray that you would take our moments, take our days that we have coming up this week and let them be given to you, consecrated to you, that you can work through us to be intentionally loving, caring, reconcilers and healers in our community, especially in these days. May our anger be rightly placed, that it can be turned to a heart love and compassion for our neighbors. Help us to do that well, I pray. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.